0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Third Culture Kingdom. Just a quick disclaimer from your boy, David, before we hop in. This was recorded last year, so shout out to Darius, his wife, and his now newborn daughter. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Third Culture Kingdom. This is your host, David Huang, and today bringing in a buddy from the one and only Waco, Texas. Soon to be father, uh, mentor, Darius D. Brown, or uh, as many in Waco know him as Officer Brown. Uh, how's it going, man? It's doing good. How are you, man? I'm, I'm, I'm chilling, man. Trying to navigate the the transitions and the ebbs and flows of life. But um, you know, life is good. God's good. God's good. Yeah yeah so um before i guess we dive into anything uh you know i'd love for for people to get to know you a bit and just hear a bit about you know you what you're currently doing and um uh just some of your your background
1: yeah so uh my name is Darius brown um i live in waco texas and work um Yeah, I grew up here in Waco. I went to Waco ISD my whole life, and um, I grew up in a low-income family, and um, my mom was a single parent, and uh, I knew I had a relationship with my dad, but he lived in Hillsboro, where I was actually born, and so um, just growing up, I just had a lot of bad influences, as mostly men, they were going to jail or getting out of jail. And so um, I was always interested in why they were always getting in trouble. So I kind of got in, interested in like criminal justice early on in like elementary school. And I was in the second grade. My uncle was murdered on Waco Drive, and so my I didn't know him that well, but my mom and family members were really hurt by that. And so. They said he wasn't a bad person he just was at the wrong place at the wrong time and i remember my mom crying late at night and i would ask her what's wrong and she says well you know they're never gonna find out who did this and so um you know she i said why not she said well they don't care because you know it, it, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time and it makes it look like he was a bad person and we're never going to get justice hmm. and so um, immediately I said, well, when I grew up, I'm going to help people find justice and I want to, I want to be a police officer. I want to be an investigator and I want to help people find bad guys. And so as an early age, I, I started out, um, that passion. And then, um, throughout school, I kind of followed that. Um, and it was really interested in mine. I always love crime shows. I always love all the stuff. Um, they <laughs> come, uh, and yeah, when I, I went to Stephen F. Austin, um, uh, in Nacogdoches. And then I ended up going to the police academy and graduating from there in 2014, I wanna say. And then I came back home to work. So when I came back home to work, I got my first police job um, in Hillsboro, Texas. And I worked there for three years. And so I worked patrol, I worked, the worst of the worst, midnights I worked, suicides I worked, homicides I worked, a lot of different crazy, a lot of assaults and, um, I really got a, my heart really broke for youth because I noticed that like a lot of kids were going to jail for senseless crimes, like um, um, stealing at the store. And they were parents were coming, reaching out to me, like, hey, is there any programs that I can put my kid in? Because they need help. Mm-hmm. And I, oh, but I can create one. And so that's kind of how I started Boys and Girls Group. Um, I started mentoring kids once a month. <laughs> And then um, when I was in here mentoring the kids in Waco, um, the police department kind of was like, "Hey, you should try working out for us." And mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't kids every day." <laughs> and then <laughs> I really felt called like to come work and serve with Waco IC. They're like, "We're gonna hire you to be a mentor for our kids. Um, we're gonna give you um, a lot of vacations and we're we'll gonna give weekends off, and you can come work for us." And I was like, "Okay, sign me up." So I. <laughs> I really felt, um, but I really did feel called coming to Waco ISD, so right now I'm working, I've been working in Waco ISD for three years, and um, I have a huge role in making a difference in the school district, Um, yeah, so that's pretty much where I am
0: now, just got married this year, uh, and got one way hey man that's that's exciting that's exciting and that and that's uh that's a lot man um so so um diving into a little bit about you know just childhood and growing up kind of what was your family dynamics like and what um you know what was uh yeah childhood and and living in that environment uh like for you growing up um
1: honestly i really didn't know we were struggling until I left home. <laughs> yeah, but there you really don't pay attention. Like oh, I'm less, I'm less than. Um, but a lot of times, I, I do remember like um, uh, being on government assistance. I remember us not being able to afford to pay rent, and um, you know, a lot of times my mom would she worked her butt off so that I could have the appearance to look like the other kids, mm-hmm. but down, you know, like we really just didn't have a lot of things because, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So, you know, like I said, I have single parent home. My, my dad, he did help out as well, but you miss out a lot when your mom, when just your mom is raising you. I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, when it's just one parent, you're only getting one perspective. You're not, you're only getting one T, one way of teaching and that's from a woman and you miss out a lot of stuff uh, from the man when he is not in the household. So that's a really uh, thing that a lot of people don't realize. Uh, So, yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, It kind of made me just think about how, um, I lately have been talking with some different people about like therapy and like mental health and self-care and stuff like that. And I remember hearing this from, um, somebody online. Uh, I think it's, uh, it was, uh, I don't know if you know Ezekiel Azanwu, but he was saying something with this, this therapist about how, like, you know, there's been like a lot of at least men in our generation, right, who've like, you know, started going to therapy and, and, and good stuff like that. Um, but he was just like, it's almost like this therapeutic session is like, you know, just the, the child, right, almost like a space where like, we can become like childlike again, and be like, yeah, this is going on, like, this has been happening. Mm-hmm. And then you have, um, and you almost just, um, yeah, we all, I think, you know, long to be sons and and just know that like somebody's gone before us, um, yeah. some somebody who's able to to do that for for us. Um, do you have any siblings?
1: Yes, so I was the only child at my mom's house, but my mm-hmm. dad had uh, four kids. Mm. So uh, I'm the oldest out of, out of out of those four. So and then gotcha. I also have um, uh, step siblings as well. So yeah, we have um, me, quite a bit. <coughs> quite a few, um, siblings in my head.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Um, you, you're paving the way, man. You're a pioneer.
1: (laughs) Love
0: it. Love it. Um, looking back, uh, at, you know, childhood, I know you kind of touched on it a bit, but, um, you know, what would you say are some of those, um, hurdles or, or struggles that you had to navigate? I know that you touched on, um, you know, just the, uh, the environment or, or even, you know, lack of, um, you know, uh, father at home sometimes. Um, but, uh, even within, you know, going to school or, or, uh, you know, navigating college, um, and then police academy, um, what were some different hurdles within those environments Uh, that you felt were there?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, the biggest part, you know, getting ready to go to college and just having, I mean, I had a strong support system that was really encouraging, but just like some of the people that were around me, they had never been to college before, never been to a university before, never, um, no, didn't know really what it took to even stay in school. like getting to college, yeah, but then to stay there, what would it take um, as far as like financially and what it means to get a degree plan and get academic advising and you know like what you know what the semester would look like you know so mm-hmm. um, yeah that was that was that was kind uh, of obstacle I had to overcome also uh, you know th- obviously those disadvantages so when you're like the, one of the first um, generational college students. Just it, it is. It does become a difficult. Um, because like I mean, like taking taking uh, college courses before you get to college, like that's a huge key. That we I mean, I missed that on. Um Also, you know, keeping your GPA up and taking SAT and like studying for getting a t- 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 um, getting a tutor for SAT and you know, like a lot of that, those things it, it was mentioned to me, but not really like. Um, just didn't really know the importance of it until like later on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what your options are with like a um four-year degree, like two-year degree, you know, like so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot doing a lot of research. Of course, the internet definitely helped out a lot. <laughs> so kind of hungry for it, but yeah, um, yeah, I definitely had God really put some strong individuals around me um especially from church um and you know just pushing me and encouraging me um that you know to go and conquer so yeah um i think financially was the biggest thing um because if you can't afford to go then i think that's the that's a big hurdle um and i didn't have like quote unquote the <laughs> all the right you know the the, the savings you know the fun to do that so yeah I mean I think that was a main thing Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah definitely Uh, I thought of this as you were saying things about uh you know how your mom just worked her tail off right to 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 provide for you I was just thinking about how um I, I love that you know at least one of the hurdles wasn't that like you felt like you know you weren't supported um and and so Cause I'm just thinking about how um, I think I was listening to this from uh, another person online and they were just talking about how, like, even though um, in their family, they also felt like, okay, like I didn't know that our family was not as financially well off as, you know, the next family. Like they felt like there was love there. You know, they felt like they were cared for. They felt like, man, like I didn't even know, you know, until <laughs> I was out there. And so um, that that's, that's awesome that, you know, you, you really felt, um, you know, supported um, in many regards there. Um, so looking back at, you know, who you were and, you know, the, the Darius of your youth, uh, what would what the Darius of uh, the present tell the Darius of your youth? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I know, like, the, the importance of education is so big, Um so, definitely, you know, take education a little bit more seriously. Cause I was, I was that kid that was like, okay, I gotta see I'm good. You know, like, at least I'm not mm-hmm. feeling, you know. Yeah. I, was that, I was that kid. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, being obedient to God, if I could look back and say, some, some many the areas where like I fell short of the glory of God, like, hey, like your future is so much brighter than that. If I could tell myself, and we all have those seasons in life where we're just like, we're not following God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't, God gave us two words. But um, yeah, those two things I think were most important. And then just, I, I think I learned early on that, like if someone wasn't good for me, then I was okay for letting them go you know i let, I let that that's one one thing that really helped me mm. um, I wasn't afraid people go, and so even today um and so that really helped me like if that that person wasn't a good fit for the season, I'm just like free to let them go so yeah
0: yeah that's that's a word, man, that's a word that's even in my own life, I feel like that's something I've been navigating or thinking about more, you know, like um mm. so Man, good, good, good stuff. Um so you are, you know, a police officer. Uh you're also a a black man. Um how have you been navigating everything that's you know been going on in our society and in yourself and within the community? Um, or is there, you know, any tension at all? Um
1: Yeah, definitely um a lot of tension. Um, because one thing that people don't realize is I have to sit in both rooms. I sit in the rooms of the black community, and then I go to work and I sit in the rooms of the officers. And both of them are really, really frustrated at this time. And I can understand both. And I, I think I'm put in a place to where, like, early on in my career, God was telling me that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a bridge uh, between a lot of different um, communities. And he, I remember him saying that like early on when I was working it wasn't before I even worked at this department. And I feel like it's it's hard being a bridge. I and mean, my dad even mm-hmm. told me, you know what? You know like bridges are walk zone.
0: Awesome.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the bridges hold a lot of weight, you know, so like don't don't take it lightly. And so that it's definitely been very um difficult. Um I know, um, so like when I'm in a community or with the black community, I always try to help them understand um, the role of a police officer. Like their intentions um, are not to wake up and say I'm going to kill someone today. The um, but there's definitely like there's definitely a, a higher accountability that officers need. I understand that as well. So I'm, I'm I'm a listening ear for those in the community, and my heart breaks for like all of the innocent lives were lost in this year just this just this year and um you know my heart breaks for those families um so yeah definitely definitely it's it's hard and um when I go to when I go to the you know the departments and we go to trainings and not just my department I won't speak for my just my department like when we go to trainings and we meet with officers all over the state and a lot of them will say that you know, they would make excuses for the officers who were clearly wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they'll say, well, you don't understand what they were going through. You don't understand this uh, This person was on drugs. You know, like, mm-hmm. you do what you got to do to go home. You know, like, they, they have this nonchalant ass- attitude. So that also makes it hard. So I kind of mm-hmm. give them a different perspective and kind of maybe, maybe um give them... Some feedback on how I feel about it and and it does help not saying that it changes their mind every time, but it does help me being in a room helps, and I always I also tell everyone like if i'm in this profession i'm in it to make it better i'm not in it because it's perfect i'm in it to make a difference like so like i gotta I gotta roll with the punches, you know mm-hmm. uh when they say something that hurts that hurts to the core i've been even like since i've even this year like i've been someone told me. You, uh, you you just like George Floyd. You can't breathe. You know, like mm-hmm. I had officers tell me, somebody tell me, embrace my like. I'm fired up, but at the same time, you know, like, you know, there's a reason why I'm here. Like, every, you know, I'm sowing seeds that, you know, make that I may never see grow, but I'm just believing that, you know, like we'll we'll get, um, in a better
0: place soon. Mm-hmm yeah yeah definitely yeah my respect for um you know trying to um bridge that gap because i know that there's a lot of um yeah tension obviously in our society but also i think as individuals there's so much in that intersection as well and you know I've, i've heard it said this way right it's like um right you i mean i guess on both sides with some of the conversations i've had with different friends you know some of them have been like you know well like you know, you've been black, you know, long before you were blue, you know, and, and then, you know, um, oh well, like, you know, that's the profession or all these different things and and you know, just how there's such a clash in in, in um yeah, society over that. Mm-hmm. Um but uh I guess speaking into those things a little more, um, you know, maybe on in two parts. Uh Could you talk a little bit about what you wish people, whether it's on the outside or in the police force, um, you know maybe a couple of things that you wish that um, they would try to listen and understand about the black community
1: mm. yeah so for the for the black community, I, one thing I wish they would understand. It's just the stress of the of the job. Um, I think a lot of the time they think that, oh, it's just an easy job, it's just like a nine to five, it's like a bank. I'm just gonna clock in and do my eight or whatever. But a lot of times officers are having to work more hours than eight hours. They're having to do it with the stress of being yelled at, cussed out, you know, um, you know, fighting. I mean we're family violence, like we're answering the calls of people when they're in their most intense situations. You mm-hmm. Like yeah. at that most emergency time is when you dial 911 and we're responding to that. And I don't think a lot of people realize that like our jobs are really stressful and we probably don't get the therapy and the counseling that we, that we need. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really hard. And so compassion, I would say for that, uh, for the community side, and I know it's hard. Um, and like when somebody's pulling you over they're like they're not pulling you over just to get a quote, Like they're pulling you over because you're driving way too fast. Speaking to myself, <laughs> like I'm driving way too fast. So they're not pulling you over because like, you know what I mean? Like drunk drivers, there's, there's so many different things that the police officers are responsible for. Mental health, um, homeless, you know, the mental health uh, bank robberies, you know, I've been in all those situations that I just named. Uh, suicides then we we I, there's some times where I went home literally and I would close my eyes and I would see the person that passed away today mm. and it's hard <laughs> it's real hard and so those are some of my hard days that nobody sees and I don't think that people understand that right. on the side I wish that people that I would use the same word compassion I wish that they would have compassion for others and they would treat people like they were your family you know like if they was your family member how would you how would you treat them because I've noticed that like that sometimes people like if if that person doesn't involve you or if it doesn't affect you or it doesn't affect your life and your wife and your kids and your aunts and uncles you you can care less but like it would hit different if it was a family member so like if we if we approached every person like it was a family member how would we approach them and I and true enough I, I believe like if my, we really, we take an oath that if my mom committed a crime, I have to arrest her. You know, like, of course I want, I want justice. Like for all, like if my mom, she did something bad, she do have to go. I've, I've arrested, I've arrested uncles. I've arrested cousins. I, and people know this, like I arrested some of the, my close family members and we kind of laugh about it now, but you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, like they know they did wrong, you know? And so, I treated them just like I treated everybody else. And so, yeah, I think if, if compassion was used on both sides, I think that's one thing we lack. we lack is compassion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I had this conversation a couple of months ago, I think with just a, a neighbor, but I literally was saying, I was like, um, definitely totally agree. I'm like, there's obviously a lot of different structural things and even with compassion, just like, man, what would it look like if we were to treat communities or have better community relations with, you know, law enforcement and and neighborhoods that they're policing. But also I was like, I almost felt like, yeah, there's so much on like a police officer's plate that I'm kind of like, I don't know if like, this is what you should be, you know, like responsible for, you know, certain things. Um, And, um, and this is this so this is kind of a, a random question, but like, have you ever been called um uh on uh for something that you're like, why did you call the police for?
1: Yes. It's every day. Like a lot of our calls are just like, Hey, there's a cat stuck in my tree. You know, like, what? <laughs> like what? But, and one time the lady did call, she said, Hey, there's a cat stuck in my tree. And I did like this, I was like, I'm about to laugh, and she's like, "Are you about to laugh at me, sir?" I'm like, "No, (laughs) ma'am. There's nothing like I can do about that." Um, So yeah, there's definitely like every day, like every every day policing looks like that, you know. It's they're you're they're asking you questions like, "Hey, I just want to know like if y'all got any food." Like, (laughs) it it will ask you the craziest things, or can you like take a picture with my kid? We do so many different calls, like. we're there to service the community, and so a lot of times we'll do those calls, but we have to respond no matter what somebody calls. And that's I, why I, people, a lot of people don't understand that too. Like, even if you have a flat, you can call nine one one, and we'll we'll have to come out because we're a service to community. And a lot of people don't know that. So if you're on the on highway and you're like, I don't know what to do, call nine one one. They can change your flat for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, okay. For all those people out there, don't yeah. don't be hearing this and, and just <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and go out and do that. Yeah. <laughs> word, word. Um, so from my understanding, I remember so you said that you created, you know, the the Boys and Girls Club. Um, I know there I I thought there was something called, you know, becoming better boys back in the day, but um just with uh with the mentoring groups that you you have started, um you know, what what led to starting those things and I know you touched on it a little bit, but um let you
1: Yeah. Um there's multiple kids getting in trouble and I just felt like kids were breaking the law and not because they were bad kids, it's because it's just a lack of knowledge. And so I wanted to build relationship with youth in our area just to teach them like, hey, let's how to be respectful. How to what's the consequences of theft and what's the love of God like and so I wanted all of those different aspects like behavior um, just the love from people and just the love of God to be in all one group and I created that and in 2016 I created a boys group called Becoming Better Boys and then um, we had 12 boys that we started mentoring and then 12 turned into 20, 30, 40 to almost 50 boys at one time And then um, I met my wife. She was a teacher of the kids that I was mentoring. That's kind of how we met. And so uh, we went on a date, and she was like, hey, I want to help you as much as I can. And I just want to serve. And I'm called to East Waco. And she was teaching at one of the East Waco schools at the time. And I was like, what? You crazy. Like, let's be together all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually started mentoring kids to get, I mean, uh, she, she jumped in with me and then she started girls group. So she started a girls group called grow girls. And up until, up until COVID, we were meeting with them every Thursday night and we had a lot of sponsors. We had, we picked them up every Thursday night. Um, We provided meals through Antioch. Um, We had a grant we had a facility um, room through the YMCA so the group really grown had really grown over the 2 years that we we led it um had volunteers from Baylor. We had a lot of fun and so uh, did a lot of big outreach events for the kids because it's it was easier to bring events to them to them, to take them to events and then they could enjoy it in their own neighborhood so we would do um back to school bash um easter egg hunts fall festivals all at the park and just make it big for them and so it gave me a lot of experience working with kids and playing events and so god's been faithful throughout all like on my salary i've been able to do this um, a little bit of money you know every everyone has pitched in and jumped on board with this so we're we're extremely grateful and we're just still praying about just being prayer about how we can move forward because with COVID a lot of kids are not even going to school we only have 50 percent less than 50 percent actually going to in person in school so we didn't feel comfortable with inviting the kids to group if they weren't going to school and so this semester is going to look a lot different so prayerfully like we can find a way to stay engaged with the kids and do something next semester.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. especially with the- <laughs> especially with what I mean,
1: especially with the baby coming this, this, uh, this.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely um no that's so cool t- uh i i yeah i went to baylor i, I kind of back I, I think about it i'm like man i wish that in 2016 i had a uh, you know hopped in and, and tried to help out and yeah. pass these um <laughs> but that's exciting to see that, that um, there's been so much growth and development with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So among, uh, let's just, I I was talking about maybe youth, uh, but maybe specifically boys, uh, what are common, um, you know, things that you're seeing that you're like, okay, you know, how do we uh, speak into these, these parts of their lives? How do we, um, you know, address, bringing you know healing and, and clarity to uh, yeah purpose
1: uh, so, so for part, and a young man, I see I like a lack of desire to become something hmm. that's my that's my big my big um goal for our boys is that to grow let them know that you can grow up and become anything um even as I was growing up uh now I didn't grow up i mean like there's obviously different severities of um, how people grow up in poverty. So my situation, honestly, uh, that was a lot better than what their living conditions are. Um, my mom, I was on the only, I was the only child for one. And then my mom had sisters. She had um, friends. Um, and my dad was still part of my life. So I did have a lot of, ups and and you know i had a lot of advantages that sometimes our kids don't even have those so they don't have a desire to be, go to college they don't have a desire to be anything professional and they don't have access they don't have access to anybody who looks like you know like the perfect in professional access you know all the people that they know or what they see on tv is like athletes or like rappers or drug dealers. That's the only thing that they know. And so, well, a lot of times in our group, I give them a lot of access. And so, I speak into their life by bringing in um, accountants and military and different things to just give them um, a different perspective on what they can be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, man, that it just makes me think about, like, I guess the power of, um, I don't know if representation is the right word, but just like seeing that, you know, man, there's somebody out there, whether it's, um, you know, they look like me or they're just somebody that's willing to come, you know, mm-hmm. speak into my life That that's so powerful there. Um, and um, kind of segueing, I guess, into the next question, kind of just, you know, the power of having a mother and having a father and having mentors um, who are willing to uh, step into um, mm-hmm. people's lives um so you're gonna be a father soon as you know you yeah. mentioned and that's super super exciting um uh, but real talk what what are some of those you know like your biggest worries and um maybe even concerns that you've been like okay like it's almost here
1: <laughs> yeah some biggest worries um let's say uh, really know i know like as a provider like i'm always like overthinking like am i providing enough like am i doing enough at work am i like do we have enough money uh because having a baby is super expensive if you have if you don't know that by now start saving now (laughs) like having a kid is super expensive and um, you know, like, childcare and all that stuff, so just, that's the only thing, like, but I'm just learning that, like, God pro- always provides, like, you know, like, no matter how ahead I think and how much I want to get ahead and start saving and start college funds and start, like, health care and, like, how much it's going to cost and everything like that, like, God, God always provides, like, he always makes a way, and so where I thought that, like, oh, man, you know, like, a family can't live off of this. Like, his his ways are always right. So, as long as I put him first, everything's going to work out. And that's how I've been kind of reminding myself of that. So, yeah, and then we also, like, talk about discipline in our home and what it looks like and what do we want her to see before she go to bed? Like, what do we want, want bedtime to look like? What do we want dinner time to look like? What do we want school to look like? Her education and how do we value her so yeah so all of that's gonna be fun it's gonna be great so we're just we've just been really thinking about it reading books on parenting we went to a parenting class and yeah we're just trying to get, get as prepared as we can we've been remodeling I'm in her room right now so we uh-huh. in her room and um uh, so find a lot of things fun things so yeah man <laughs> it's gonna be great
0: yeah definitely definitely um, and so, um, kind of going on the opposite end of that, you know, what are some of the, I guess, maybe, like, dreams or aspirations that that, that you're believing into for, um, you know, your uh, relationship with your daughter or just being the father? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, like, I'm, you know, we're just believing that we're raising a little group of world changers. Um One thing, um, my cat—we both um, we named her Justice, and uh, she's gonna have such a big role to fill with that name. And we just believe that, like you know, like maybe like in the future we'll start like a nonprofit that all of our kids are a part of or something something big. uh, We know that like we want her to have a heart to serve others um, because we met. Literally, like how I was telling you our story, we literally met uh, by serving kids of poverty and that were in poverty. Uh, and our thing is we want equality for all, no matter where you live. And we want our kids to, to know that we even bought a house in East Waco where I, where, where we mentor our kids so that um, we can be a part of their lives. And it was so funny that one of the kids that we mentored, he came in with my grass yesterday. And He didn't even ask for money. He's like, "Hey, Officer Brown, I just want to mow your grass." Mm. I was like, oh. that's just like, hard. It was just like, we moved in this community to be a service to them and be available for them and just be a light for their this this side of town." And they literally like, "Hey, we want to look out for you. Nobody's gonna bother your house, Officer Brown. And we're gonna we're gonna mow your grass and we're gonna come and jump on the side of you and be your friend." And so it was it was it's amazing,
0: man. Man, that's that's super, super encouraging. And man, believing for y'all, I think that's man, that that uh man, yeah, brings up a lot of things in me that I'm like, all right, one day, one day, you know, <laughs> when I uh hopefully become a father. But I'm like, there's a lot of steps in between there that <laughs> I'll need to jump in, well, jump through. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Um so, uh, what, uh, is some advice that you'd give to people, you know, maybe struggling with this idea of, of, you know, pioneering transformation in their own community, um, or, um, maybe stepping into, um, you know, pursuing purpose. Yeah. So, um,
1: I used to, like when i so I grew up at Carver Park Church in, in East Waco. um, and I started going to run out there in middle school. And over time, I got more hats and more roles. And I developed they developed me into who I am today. Um, they're responsible because, man, they taught me so much on serving others. Um, and I, I remember, I'll never forget, there was one time I was at 6 a.m. prayer. And the old lady, and I was going to do this outreach event. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I want to go out and I want to spread the gospel. And I want to go feed the homeless. I want to go out and be hand and feet of Jesus. And I said, but I don't have anybody to go with. And she says, baby, sometimes you're going to have to go by yourself. I was like, what? <laughs> i my with that. Like, I, I want that to be like, that's some advice that I, I would have to share. Like, just go, even if you have to go alone. Um, and... And I I started to do that. And I, one thing I noticed, like, I just went and looked confident. And then people started to follow me. Um, I went when people said that it wouldn't work and that people said that I was crazy and that I was going in for free and that these kids ain't going to listen and they're just hard-headed and they're just doomed. I went anyway. And so whatever the Lord is really calling you to do, like, just go, um, even if you have to go alone. And... Um, I have really, uh, even in this season, it's been, it's been, you know, pressing, um, to like, do I still go, you know, like, do I go if my friends don't go, do I go, like, if the, my volunteers who signed up don't go, do I go if my wife don't go, do I go, and, you know, like, just go. I think that's just so impressing for the next pioneers that are, um, uh, you know, praying in this season about what's, what's next for them.
0: Man. Oof, that's, that's hitting me, man. That's hitting me. Um, uh, how can people support you, what you're doing? Um, how can people connect with you? Um, you know, email, whatever, Instagram. Yeah,
1: yeah so um, an easy email that is my work email. I always give it out on podcasts. It's Darius.Brown. Is D A R I U S dot Brown at D dot org. So I get paid to check the email. So usually I check it. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, also like my Instagram is Speak D. A lot of like, parents reach out to me. A lot of um, people who want to serve in Wake area they reach out to me. Bro, I wish you were here. Like we could bring... <laughs> make yeah. You're in Austin, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm over in Austin. I'm over in Austin. I'm like, hey, you know, maybe if you could, you you come up here, you know, we can uh, try and start something, or or you can help me start something.
1: <laughs> um, I'm so, like, yeah, um, that's the easy way to reach out to me. my My Instagram handle is at Speak and so yeah, I'm super excited, man, about everything that you're doing. Thanks for inviting me tonight, um, and just, you know, everything you're doing, I'm so grateful to be a part of it.
0: Nah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm super excited to see where, where, uh, you know, y'all go next in this season and, and um, in fatherhood and also in um, mentoring and, and in your careers. Um, man, God's y'all using y'all in, in some profound ways. Um, so thank you. Thank you, man. Um, well, this is, uh, yeah, David at the Third Culture Kingdom. Um, we're signing off here. And uh, once again, you know, you can hit up Darius at, at any of the uh, handles he mentioned. Um, I'm sure he'd love for you also to get involved with the mentoring program, whatever that looks like, um, or if you have any questions for him. But until next time, peace. Well folks, that ends our The Path Less Traveled series and I hope it encouraged you with what others are doing in their spaces to make a difference in their communities. Most of all, I hope you take The Path Less Traveled to use your gifts, your talents, and your resources to forge a way forward for others. Don't rush, trust the process, and keep pushing even when you don't feel like it. You'll find that there's others traveling on that road willing to help. So. Happy January and this is David at the Third Culture Kingdom saying see you next time.